Okay, no, we're going to get back to the show, actually. So, welcome back, 115K. Good for you. Catching on. Anyway, Anula Fox pulls sick and disgraceful stunt during major crisis. Well, Introducing Shocker. the magnetic camera, your new go-to device for keeping tabs on your surroundings. Named Whether Coke you're a conspirator, there are so many people who want to... Every time I see Fox in the news, I say that. They should be named co-conspirators. January 6th insurrection, man. But then they'll fucking cough up some info. Who have offered to help. Who see this nightmare unfold and want to make it better somehow. We love and appreciate that so much. For those of you who are looking to take action right now. So we've been listening to the news conference held by officials after the mass shooting yesterday in Louisville, Kentucky. That is the mayor, Craig Greenberg, who uh, was expressing some political thoughts there. I, I'm not I'm not sure if all of that was necessary. Wait, what was that? Now, so we've been listening to the news conference held by officials after the mass shooting yesterday in Louisville, Kentucky. That is the mayor, Craig Greenberg, who uh, was expressing some political thoughts there. I, I'm not I'm not sure if all of that was necessary. Sadly, there was another mass shooting in America, and while Republicans look to blame anything but the gun, right-wing media is busy cutting off coverage about the shooting. I feel like we're stuck in a perpetual loop where every day we wake up and have to reset the counter to zero days since mass shooting. At the time of filming this episode, there have been nearly 150 mass shootings so far in 2023, and we just passed 100 days into the year. I know Republicans are all about banning math, so let me just break it down for them. Those numbers are very bad. Republicans love to argue that more guns makes us safer, and if that were actually true, then the United States would be the safest place on earth, but sadly... It's not. Mass shootings are becoming so commonplace that the degree of knowing someone who has been the victim of gun violence shrinks every day. I mean, you don't have to go any further than Kentucky's Democratic governor, Andy Bashir, who lost a close friend and has another friend in the hospital because of the Louisville shooting. I thought she deserved to know. And, um, and we're real close, I, I think, right now to where I made that call. Artist, I've, I've been governor during this pandemic. I've been governor during tornadoes and floods and negative 45 degree wind chills and, and everything else. And we've lost a lot of people during those, but calling your friend's wife, who is also your friend, to tell her that her husband is gone is um, amongst the hardest things I have ever done. But at the same time, she deserved to know. And just a couple weeks ago, a survivor of the Highland Park mass shooting in 2022 was on vacation in Nashville where another mass shooting was taking place at the Covenant Elementary School. Aren't you guys tired of being here and having to cover all of these mass shootings? I'm from Highland Park, Illinois. My son and I survived a mass shooting over the summer. I am in Tennessee on a family vacation with my son visiting my sister-in-law. I have been lobbying in D.C. since we survived a mass shooting in July. I have met with over 130 lawmakers. How is this still happening? How are our children still dying and why are we failing them? Gun violence is the number one killer of children and teens. It has overtaken cars. Only in America can this type of thing happen. And just to give you perspective, the Highland Park mass shooting was a half block down from my dad's business. I also have friends whose family members are students at Michigan State, which just had a recent school shooting. 
shooting. And some of the students at Michigan State have now lived through two mass shootings. People are outraged and rightfully so, like Ted Williams, a former D.C. homicide detective. I am sick and tired of standing in front of a camera. Neil, you and I have been on, on numerous occasions, where people, young people, have lost their life. Four people left home this morning. And four people are not coming home tonight. We have to talk about guns. AR-15 are killing our babies and our citizens in this country. And we've got to do something about it. And here's MSNBC host Nicole Wallace expressing that very same frustration. The uniquely American problem. You go to work, you go to school, you go to church, you go grocery shopping, and you can be gunned down in a mass shooting because we live in a country where widespread, seemingly random mass gun violence is the norm. That's who we are. This is how we roll here. It's a horrifically long list. But as we know, the pro-life Christian Republican Party won't lift a fucking finger to save innocent lives. Republican Representative Tim Burchett literally said that in response to the Covenant School mass shooting that happened in his home state of Tennessee. It's, it's a horrible, horrible situation, and we're not going to fix it. I mean, the most that Republicans will do is try to expel any lawmakers who speak out against gun violence, like they did with the Tennessee Three. And boy, did that backfire. But remind me again who the fascists are in America. So as mass shootings continue to rise, Republicans will just send thoughts and prayers as they turn a blind eye to accept another check from the NRA. And Kentucky Representative Morgan McGarvey has something to say about those thoughts and prayers. I am a person of faith. I was raised in the church. We've raised our kids in the church. Please, if you are a person of faith and you want to give us your thoughts and your prayers, we want them and we need them. Our community is hurting. But we need policies in place that will keep this from happening again so that thoughts and prayers do not have to be offered to yet another community ripped apart by the savage violence coming from guns. You know who I just noticed was missing from that press conference? Republican Representative Thomas Massey. Maybe he was too busy taking photos with his family groping guns for next year's Christmas card. Look, there's an easy way to stop this, and it's with preventative policies like red flag laws, background checks, and an assault weapons ban, just to name a few. However, religious morons like Marjorie Taylor Greene take it personally and will blame anything but the gun, like not following God. After <laughs> the tragic shootings, the one in Buffalo, then the next Buffalo. one in Uvalde, uh, now we've had another one in Oklahoma. Um, but actually, there's shootings all the time in cities like Chicago, Detroit, Atlanta, New York, L.A. They happen all the time all over America, but for some reason, the media tends to concentrate on only certain mass shootings with certain shooters. So the Democrats have gone into overdrive because they think it's the time to address uh, gun control, which will do nothing. It won't change anything because all of us with common sense know that these shootings are happening because of many reasons. Issues like mental illness, issues with people who have turned away from God, the, the rapid moral decline in America, and so many other big problems. As a supposed Christian, Marjorie Taylor Greene has an incredibly deranged and sick perspective on human life. But then again, knowing who she is, are we really all that surprised? I mean, she believes in QAnon and Jewish space lasers. And if God really was the solution, wouldn't he have stopped the slaughtering of his innocent children in those schools at Sandy Hook, Uvalde, and Nashville? And Republicans will then tell you that you should not blame God, but instead blame the shooter's free will, which was pure demonic evil. If Republicans really want to make the good versus evil free will argument, then they should use said free will to protect others 
by passing gun safety laws. I mean, the amount of energy and mental gymnastics that the Republican Party will do to not talk about the actual problem, which is guns, is astounding. They'll blame doors, violent video games, pot psychosis, mentally ill trans shooters, and apparently now, it's pronouns. Seriously, I'm not kidding. The right is blaming the Louisville shooting on the fact that the shooter had he him pronouns listed on his LinkedIn profile. I am sick and tired of having to watch another mass shooting where Republicans come up with a random excuse that isn't the gun, as if they're pulling suggestions out of a hat. And when right-wing media does cover it, places like Fox News cut it off midstream. There are so many people who want to do something, who have offered to help, who see this nightmare unfold and want to make it better somehow. We love and appreciate that so much. For those of you who are looking to take action right now. So we've been listening to the news conference held by officials after the mass shooting yesterday in Louisville, Kentucky. That is the mayor, Craig Greenberg, who uh, was expressing some political thoughts there. I, I'm not. I'm not sure if all of that was necessary. Wait, did I miss something? What was political about what Mayor Greenberg said? For those of you who are looking to take action right now, to show your support for the first responders who are trying to save lives, and for the victims of gun violence, one great way to do that is to donate yeah, blood. So Fox News that? cut off the broadcast because Mayor Greenberg was telling people who wanted to help that they could donate blood? Fox News is cold-blooded and once again proves that Republicans are not pro-life. It should not be this difficult to care enough about human life to do something to stop mass shootings. This isn't about partisan politics. This is about life and death. This is about preventing tragedies. And I think Representative McGarvey said it best. People's lives aren't political. Public safety isn't political. Put those policies in place that put people first. People over guns, kids over guns, public safety over guns. Because that is what we need to address this problem. Well, until next episode, I'm Gabe Sanchez, and this has been What Was That? If you enjoyed today's episode and want to support the work that goes into creating the What Was That show, you can join my Patreon at whatwasthatshow.com. You'll get access to early episodes, exclusive bits, behind-the-scenes content, access to the show's private Discord, as well as live Q&As to connect directly with me to offer up comments, questions, and suggested topics to be featured on the show. Thanks again for watching, and I hope to see you over on Patreon. I offered Ben Marcellus $50 to file a motion to make Trump, I mean Diaper Don, vexatious litigant.
Fuck that dude literally in prison, lol. I hope he asks his cellmate for some mayonnaise. Smiley face. <laughs> Some punk lyrics. Here are some hashtag punk, hashtag lyrics. Go ahead and use them. Steal them, man. Fucking bankrupt casinos, duh. Fucking bankrupt casinos. <clears throat> so anyway. Programming. I made some nice photos of uh, as the baby Trump blimp. Um, I think it's pretty cool, the one, like, a uh, tower, London, there's a parliament, Tower of London, I think. London's high-flying Trump baby blimp may now be coming to New, to New York. New York. And you find... Hmm, that's not a bad idea. Like a structure turned into like a room <clears throat> that's shaped like a little cabin that is shaped like that little bastard. Photography, actually. Baby blimp. Hmm. Um. So I pro I program that for three in the morning. So what I do is sometimes I like uh, go 
programming in advance for two different podcasts and but both are hot on the trail they are hot on the trail of Trumpy going to see fucking jail and here we go top former federal prosecutor reveals bad news for Trump seven minutes ago after Life's this video, over. Nah. your life is never going to be nah. the same. So nah. I need you to stop whatever nah. you're doing and nah. give your undivided attention. Okay? 500, 1,000, even 2,000 a day. <laughs> I love you. Thank you so much. Oh, man. Welcome over, to the Moment. I am. F.P. Wellman, also known as Fred Wellman. I'm your host of the show. We've got so much going on in the world. I don't want to waste your time. I've been dying to talk to our guest for a while. He's a prolific writer and a great American. Uh, wonderful perspective on what's going on in the judiciary aspects of this democracy virus. So let's not waste any time. Let's just get on with the show. State of our union. What is this? Midas on Democracy Podcast. Welcome, 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 welcome. I already said it once. I'm going to say it again. I am Fred Wellman, your host of On Democracy with F.P. Wellman. This is the place to be. Thank you so much for being here. There's always so much going on in the world of politics. And, you know, for the last few weeks, it's been clear that the battles moved to the courts uh, in just every, po- every possible way. I mean, from Trump's indictment to Clarence Thomas's ridiculous corruption to the bizarre abortion pill ruling in Texas, the judiciary has taken center stage in this discussion right now. And I just really wanted to have a conversation with somebody who knows that. So one of a guest who knows this stuff backwards and forwards, and so I'm thrilled to welcome my friend Dennis Africa to the show. Dennis is a former federal prosecutor. He's argued in one cases within the Supreme Court of the United States and California as chief assistant city attorney in San Francisco in the era before Oberfell and Hodge versus Hodges. Dennis successfully defended suits brought by Pat Roberts' legal foundation and United Airlines, challenging and the, the you know the San Francisco's groundbreaking equal benefits ordinance, which was a, a forebear of so much of what we're dealing with today, a non-discrimination law assuring workers and domestic partners the same employment benefits as those that are supported to straight employees were married. I don't know. For his work, he was named California's lawyer magazine, California Lawyer Magazine, named him the top California lawyer, graduate of Amherst College, Harvard Law, all right, and uh, was a Washington Public, in, Washington Public Interest Fellow at Harvard. There's a great bio. Dennis, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for tuning in from California. I know it's early there. I appreciate your time. game over. I'm to be here, Fred. Thank you so much for asking me. Uh, it's great. So, I'm so glad you're able to join us. You know, I can't thank you enough for the work you do. You, I, 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 I'm so blessed to be on your email list to see your post you put out. You're a prolific writer. Uh, I start every episode, as I mentioned before we talked, but how how a guest got here. You know, your bio touches on your long experience, you know, work on defending equal rights um, for all Americans. And you're still on the pages, literally every publication imaginable. I mean, it was, let's see, I think I've seen you. You'll, you'll laugh, Dennis. Today I opened my Facebook and the Facebook news feed was your Hill piece about the abortion ruling going for the Supreme Court. And I opened the bulwark and your piece in the, <laughs> on the Jim Jordan shit show was in there. So literally it couldn't be a better time to be in the show. And then you're, you're being published everywhere. But, you know, in all, in all of that, your bio touches a little bit. You know, how did you get to this moment where you are, you're, you're on the front lines yourself in your own way fighting this battle for our democracy? Uh, Fred, I said clown show. <laughs> Sorry about that. I may have edited that myself. Hey, look, you know, <laughs> tough but fair. I, I'm a very proper guy, Fred. Well, so, well you're lying. Uh, that freaking lies. Uh, 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 I'll just get a little personal here, Fred. Please. Uh, I'm an old guy. Born in 1947. Uh, and I'm a Jew. 
the Holocaust is in my blood. Yeah. Um, there's a Bertha Aftergut from where my grandfather came on Schindler's List. Wow. When Trump got elected in 2016, I remembered something that I asked myself as a 10-year-old in Sunday school. If you had been, I asked myself, a German, would you have been a righteous Gentile? Someone who took risk, had courage to save Hitler's victims. And Fred, when you're 10 years old, uh, the answer's pretty easy. Of course. Of course. Because you don't, you just don't appreciate what the risk really is. Right. When Trump got elected, I remember asking myself that. And I said to myself, okay, now the question has been called. I uh, was retired doing things in education and I became active in organizations in a national coalition and I started to write. Yeah, and he's still going. And it's funny how often I had this story, right? We had Bill Crystal on a little while ago. I've had Ruth Mangiat, you know, these people who are kind of taking the fight to push back against this really rising authoritarianism. And it's it's always fascinating how many of us heard that call. I, I've told the story before if you watch a show where, you know, when he came, when he, my my moment was saying that he doesn't, uh, doesn't like people that were captured. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, okay. <laughs> you know, and, and so there's just these moments. Well, I, you know, yeah. and you're still in the fight. And, and I love reading your stuff. I mean, you are my must read. I'm not going to lie to you as far as understanding what's going on in these judicial processes. Um, well, I just want to say about you, Fred, um, you know, that it's such an honor to be in with uh, someone like you who is fighting so hard, doing everything uh, that he possibly can. Everybody can do a little bit. It doesn't take a lot from everybody. But people like you, Fred, and uh, Bill Crystal uh, and Ruth, people who understand and see what's going to happen, it wasn't hard to see in 2016 what was going to happen. And it's all unfolding day by day now. Yep, exactly. And and there's so many aspects to it. And, 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 and as we said, he, I'll just actually start with my last question on the long list. I mean, let's start let's start with the bigger picture of the judiciary. You know, that one of the things I themes I talk about on this show a lot is the institutions, the threats to our institutions, and, and how in many ways our institutions have failed us in this modern battle, how they were simply not prepared for this moment. I think we got very comfortable. The checks and balances that we were all so proud of and raised on aren't meeting the moment. I had sold out O'Brien on a, a month or so ago to talk about how the media is not doing their part. Uh, Katie Fang and I brought the topic up on the media as well. Of course, Katie straddles both the world. She's a media personality and she's a she's a lawyer, right? I, I, how do you see, I mean, you're watching, you, you're a long time, you've litigated before the Supreme Court of the United States. Is our judiciary, is our judiciary failing us? I guess I should ask Dennis very directly. Has the judiciary failed us and is it going to meet this moment? I mean, I think really your piece that we were going to talk about later in my conversation about the abortion pill ruling going before the Supreme Court, you literally wrote that this is a test, right? The law is clear, but you yourself, who's a lifetime attorney, is saying, I'm not sure they'll follow the law anymore, right? I mean, that's a scary moment. So is the judiciary doing their part or should we be worried? Yeah, 
we'll get rid of him. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. First, I just want to say, I'm just honored that you asked me. And then you list the people who have been before me. And I think, my gosh, what extraordinary company to be in. So thank you. You're welcome. You know, one of my favorite means to keep in mind is. The Stockdale Paradox. Do you know the Stockdale Paradox? Yeah, tell me more. Okay. Uh, uh, Jim Collins in Good to Great tells the story of Admiral Stockdale. Stockdale was um, at the Hanoi Hilton, in the Hanoi Hilton with your hero, uh, McCain. Yep. And uh, later on, you know, his politics you might have quibbled with, he was the vice presidential candidate for uh, Ross Perot. Yep, I remember <laughs> I <mean>. well. <laughs> but but uh, back at the Hanoi Hilton, here's what he attributed his success to, a paradox. The paradox is face the brutal facts, unwavering faith. Face the brutal facts, keep unwavering faith. He tells the story of his shipmates, also carried, or our, our pilot mates, also in the Hanoi Hilton, who had faith, but they didn't face the brutal facts. They would say, Fred, we're getting out of Thanksgiving. Right. Oops. Christmas, right? Oops, New Year's, oops, and they, by failing to face the brutal facts, they shriveled and died. Whereas he said, "I have no goddamn idea when I am getting out. It is bad, but I'm getting out." Face the brutal facts. Keep the faith. The brutal facts on the judiciary, I don't need to tell you, a six-person <laughs> uh, majority on the Supreme Court, uh, some of whom, more than others, are simply bent on their ideological uh, imperatives. Right. And some of them, like Clarence Thomas, I think, uh, are accountable, hold themselves accountable to their peer group, Harlan Crow, the billionaire who takes him on $500,000 trips and the Federal Society. Yep. And I suspect like all human beings, what are my peers going to think if I rule this way or that way? Um, uh, and, and then there's their, their ideological imperatives. Um, and then it's not just them, it's judges like Matthew Kaczmarek appointed by Trump yep. who issued this abortion pill ruling abomination, which has nothing to do with the law whatsoever. Or science. Um, or, yes. Um, a judge second-guessing scientists, that's a... Uh, that's a uh, Red flag. That's a, yeah, that's a well-trod path among these ideologues. Or Eileen Cannon, another Trump appointee. The, she was the judge who got overruled by the 11th Circuit, she uh, said uh, Trump gets a special master, and that was ended a few months later. Yep. 
But you have to keep the faith because that 11th Circuit, those judges included Trump-appointed judges, very conservative judges, and they overruled her. There are uh, exceptions in the appellate courts, of course, but 60 courts across the country, state and federal, uh, ruled against Trump in the aftermath of the 2020 election. Yeah. The judiciary has held strongly but face the brutal facts about what happens if Trump is elected next. Yeah. And I just want to say one other thing that I always have in mind as I write about the judiciary. Timothy Snyder uh, in On Tyranny, yeah. Chapter 5, defend the institutions that you care about. Those institutions are fragile, whatever they are. Defend them. They need people's support to stand. Yep. Yep. And that's why I turn to you. I think that's exactly. And that's kind of what we were saying. You, you really answered my last question, right? It's like, you know, what can we do? How do we fight back? How do we maintain our, you know, the, the battle for average Americans? And the battle is raging, um, bringing us back to Alvin Bragg, who, of course, is in the limelight right now in two different worlds, right? Number one, Obviously, he's done with Trump. We'll, we'll deal with that second. But the the current thing is the you know the Jim Joe. I said the Jim Jordan road show. If you will, I you said clown show. I said shit show. Let's just you know hakuna matata, <laughs> tomato tomato. <laughs> but uh, you know Jordan, of course, is, is 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 his antics have started immediately as soon as the indictment came down. Actually, before you know threatening. They, they've uh, they've obviously they've. Uh, 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 sent out a subpoena to a former prosecutor in that office. Uh, Alvin Bragg turned around and sued him. I was joking on Twitter yesterday that in a battle of the wits between Jim Jordan and Alvin Bragg, I'm not sure if there's any, you know, I'm not too concerned. But having said that, you know, what is the danger here where a congressional committee head, the Judiciary Committee head, is directly involving himself in a, a criminal prosecution at a frank, state level, frankly? Uh, I mean, for those of us who don't understand just how unusual, is this truly as unusual as we think it is? or And, and, how to, and where do you think this will go? Um, uh, it's extraordinarily uh, unusual. Um, attorneys General of the United States of both parties have refused to testify before Congress on ongoing criminal investigations. It's no different. In fact, it's even worse. Right. Congress trying to intrude on a state prosecutor because he's intruding on the sovereignty of a state and undermining the basis for, uh, of our system of federalism. Right. So it's extremely unusual. If you want to know uh, what the you can look at the dangers at the micro or the macro level. Okay. And just stop me if uh, with any question. Ah, you're old. <laughs> uh, at the micro level, he's trying to do discovery for Trump. He's trying to call yep. um, uh, Mark Pomerantz, the former uh, uh, deputy who resigned after Bragg was not willing to go full force on the other case. They are still investigating. Right. And so if it turns out that Pomerantz does appear, he will be completely uh, acting properly if he refuses. That investigation is still going on. The one I was working on, I can't talk about it. Right. That would be totally proper. Yep. You could also say it proves Alvin Bragg wouldn't go for my case. 
I think we had Trump dead to rights. Yeah. I think we could prove him guilty. But Alvin Bragg wasn't convinced. I disagree with that. But I'll tell you what. Maybe if he more. thinks the case that he brought about the hush money payments and the improper uh, entry, uh, false entry of business records was good enough to go, you know he believes <laughs> that case he can prove beyond a reasonable doubt. And you know that's a strong case that he will prove Donald Trump guilty. Yeah. Okay, I've gotten distracted. Yeah. Um, but but um, one danger is that, uh, that Jordan is doing discovery, criminal discovery for Trump of the kind he's not entitled to. There's a process for that. Yep. He will get his proper discovery. Um, and I, I just want to also acknowledge, because you got to face brutal facts, Mark Pomerantz is angry. He doesn't feel like Bragg did right by him. It's possible he won't say the things I just said. Yeah, It's possible he'll testify if the judge uh, says it's okay. That's the case that Bragg brought. Yeah. At the macro level, um, it's dangerous because this is just one more vial of acid corroding the foundation of our federalism, of our entire constitutional republic, crossing all kinds of lines, and that's the business of Trumpism. The business of Trumpism is corroding all the institutional constraints on a strong man like Trump wants to be. And that is why we fight. Um, I, I, I don't want to just keep going on here. Yeah. Oh, I, I have some other thoughts, but uh, you, you go ahead yeah, and ask. I, and that's exactly it, right. It, it is it is such an erosion of those lines. And, and you're right. And I, I quoted uh, Ruth, Ruth Ben-Gitt's book, Strongman. Uh, it's something she touches on in her book about about this 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 move by authoritarians to undermine the institutions and undermine their democracy for their strength and 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 to position themselves. And I also talk about a lot that it takes they can't do it alone. You know they they need people like Jim Jordan. They need these willing these willing partners who are willing to toss aside all the norms. But I also think Jim Jordan's a fucking klutz. I mean, let's be honest. You said something kind of key in what you were just say is like there's a very good chance Palmer has to go out there and tell him, yeah, Trump's. <laughs> guilty as fuck i mean i i it's it, it just seems like jim jordan and you did mention i love I, I actually i quoted you i love what you said is uh since february we're talking about jim jordan since february has hosted hearings that have flopped harder than a distracted trapeze artist <laughs> i like it a good nice play of word and that's exactly it. i mean the, the problem is jim jordan as 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 trump's guy isn't that great right i mean there's a very good chance his efforts are going to blow back in his face because people are going to wonder oath just like the twitter hearings went so horribly awry right the, the, people get a vote right that the witness gets to say something the other members, the Democrats, who I'm really proud of the House Democrats. I'm going to say that. I'm very proud of House Democrats who are handling minority extremely well. You know, they're, they're like, all right, well, I get a chance to argue, too, you know. And and you know, the guys at Goldman, I mean, just AOC, I mean, they're, they're in the fight, taking it to them. Um, so I think politically, not judiciary, but politically, this looks this could very well be yet another Jim Jordan cell phone, which is sort of his life. Right. I've never seen somebody steps as many rakes as Jim Jordan does. Um, but I think you're right. It is the goal is to undermine and to help uh, help his his friend Donald Trump. But you did point out in your piece. It probably hurts him politically, too, because maybe he's secure uh, in his little district there. But once again, kind of like we'll, we'll go to the abortion pill ruling. These are issues that everyone's watching, right? While they're occurring in maybe Texas, that's occurring in Ohio or you know what he's doing. 
the entire world's watching these things and seeing what the GOP is up to. Um, the abortion ruling. Uh, so let's. I want to get to that because I don't want to lose you when I have the chance to talk to you about this. For those of us who are, Fred, I just, I just uh, can't control myself because you've you've put your finger on just the key point. Jim Jordan's brand. He's proved it. He's established it. Is face plant. <laughs> And he has face planted all the way through these hearings. Right. And the, the, the point that you put your finger on is the keep the faith and keep defending the institutions because those Democrats are there because people keep the faith and they, they work and they support. And the other nail that you hit right on the head is that we can lament things like gerrymandering. You mentioned how secure he is. Yep. Well, um, there's a backfire here. Yep. I call it the silver lining. Yep. That is, he's so secure, he, he will follow Trump to the ends of the earth and the broad mainstream that we saw vote in contested elections across the country in, 20, uh, in, in November 2022, yep. and that we saw going to abortion yep. in Wisconsin, um, at Janet Protasiewicz's election, um, they don't like this, right? And the polls that I cited in the piece with Trump at twenty five percent thumbs up. I mean, that is so tiny. The That's French, where he was right before, right before Nixon resigned. So, face the brutal facts. Keep the faith. There's every reason to keep the faith and keep speaking out and keep voting. Oh, brilliant. And, and you're right, because people are, no, it, it, you're nailing it. It's, it. People are seeing it, and it's driving turnout. You know, we say it a lot here on the show. I, I had a, you'll love this, you'll appreciate it. I had a conversation with some political professionals, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> and uh, and they, they're telling me how, how, how damaged the Democratic brand is. I'm like, you mean the ones who hold the White House and the Senate? Or, <laughs> and uh, barely am I, okay, very damaged, clearly. But, uh, they were saying how this campaign I was working on, we need to make sure we were appealing to independents and Republicans, right? I said, no. And they looked at me like I was nuts. Like, well, yeah, you do. I said, no, I don't. I really don't have to. Because if Democrats show up, if Democrats are created, if Gen Z, which will be somewhat, I, the numbers are not, 2.5 million more Gen Z voters by 2024. If, if we continue to motivate our base and our base shows up, we will win, right? It's, it's not, mm -hmm. there aren't enough people. There's not enough people voting. Mm -hmm. And these actions and these activities by the national GOP are firing them up from every age, not just Gen Z, right? So, I mean, I'm not here but, to turn on. But, but, but again, Fred, uh, you nailed it. There's a piece in the, in the Washington Post today about the massive increase of youth voters right. in that Wisconsin election. And, you know, uh, Judge Janet won by... 11%. That's not a landslide. That's an earthquake in Wisconsin where elections were won by one point. It's just so evenly divided among voters. Yep. And you just see all these signs. The GOP understands. Uh, Kellyanne Conway said something on Fox News the other day. Scott they know they're in trouble. They know. So um, these that abortion ruling... In the Supreme Court, Dobbs overruling Roe v. Wade, um, you know, it's horrible, and it's the gift that keeps 
on giving. Yep. It's the way, believe it or not, if people work, the only way we restore our democracy in 2024 is a Democratic Party trifecta. I believe in a two-party system, but we've lost one. Yeah. Uh, and the only way is because the Supreme Court does these supremely stupid, <laughs> wrongful things. Uh, Matt, Matthew Kaczmarek piles on, and so does Jim Jordan, because yep. they feel safe. <laughs> and they are the gifts that keep on giving. Yeah, and then to add the, the last part of that gift that keeps on giving, I live in Missouri. Uh, the Tennessee State House just gave us a gift for their, for their stupidity and gained nothing. Missouri House, the Missouri House just voted to defund public libraries because two lower two librarians on their own are suing the state uh, because of a ridiculous book ban they enacted last session. So they defunded all the public libraries. They think they're winning these little wars, and they just keep on showing. Especially Gen Z, I'm very fortunate to be an advisor to voters tomorrow. Uh, Santiago Mayor was on the show uh, with that. Uh, Victor Xi, if you see him on Twitter, I think I'm going to be joining him this week on his show. You know, the, the, the Gen Zers are seeing it. I was just in uh, Virginia visiting my kids, my two Gen Z kids, and they're, they, they knew all – they're red. These aren't political kids. They're red in. Uh, you're right. So the, the turn is turning. You're right. The fact that Scott Walker's freaking out, Tony Khan was freaking out. It was Victor Xi who first tweeted about the young people yeah. showing – um, in the uh, in the uh, Wisconsin election, so you're talking to yeah, he's a good kid. It, it's funny oh, these kids. Good. I get so inspired your, talking to them. Point, and your point about Tennessee again? Who was it that drove that? The young people who are finally saying enough, enough, and that drove the Republicans crazy. Yep. They go and do the stupid thing that the whole world watches, yep. and then they have to back down. They stay silent when the legislator is replaced, uh, re, re, reinstated. Re, uh, yep. Yeah, uh, reinstated, and he walks in with his fist up because young people came out to the streets um, because of the idiocy of Republican gun policy. You are so right. Uh, you know, going back, and it's, uh, you know, something you said is really key. I was looking at your bio, and it really takes me back to, you know, you, you're, you're a boomer, right? You're part of the civil rights movement, the original one. I'm, I'm positive of it. Reading your bio, what you did in San Francisco to fight for the rights of our LGBTQ community, you were part of it. I mean, how do you feel? I mean, you're in your 70s. You're, you're, you're the OG, OG civil rights, right? It does, what do you, are you seeing that movement amongst this new generation, this Gen Z generation? I mean, does it, does it have echoes of the past for you? Or um, what do you, are you seeing the same kind of movement? And, and of course, we know the, the land change, the huge landscape changes that come in. Are you seeing that now, Dennis, in, in your perspective of being there from the beginning? Uh, yes, I, you know, I think that um, just what you said about Tennessee, and let me draw a connection. Yeah. I came of age in the Vietnam War. Yep. And um, there was a massive youth movement. Yeah. What fueled the youth movement, Fred? Anger. <laughs> that, yes. And anger comes from personal injury. You're absolutely Injustice. right. Injustice. Actually, my therapist tells me that, by the way, Dennis. <laughs> Fred, your anger is based on injustice. Like, well, I'm just pissed. But either way. <laughs> but yeah, it, and it, a perceived injustice drives anger. And what was, and what was the personal injury? Yep. It, for some 
And I'm proud to say I'm among them because I carry the Holocaust with me. Yeah. But for for some, justice, just like you. Yep. For the mass threat, the threat of being drafted. That's why Nixon ended the draft because uh, to end the the youth movement, yeah. and it was pretty successful. Not with me. Not with me. It wasn't. Not with most people. Yeah. And now here's the connection. Fred. Why are those young people acting in Tennessee? Anger. The threat. They're being threatened by gun violence. They're being threatened their by personal their safety. Same thing. Everybody and this is where to keep the faith about the stupid things that those Republican legislators do. Yep. They are so into their own mindset, their own bubble, that they, uh, you know, it's political jujitsu. They step right into the trap yep. and activate all those young people who will vote in 2024, just like you said, just like your kids. Yep. Yep. And they're and they're they're motivated and they're motive and they're seeing it. And there's a there's a failure lack of understanding of what community means to this generation compared to when we were growing up. Even, you know, even you're, you're, you're years older than I am, but you know, my, my community as far as my, I could ride my bike in Kirkwood, Missouri, right? But but these kids have an international global community. My own son, I've told the story, I don't know if, I don't know if I told the show, Matt, correct me, I'm sure, but there's this, I tell a story often of my son, who was eight, I remember him one day um, laughing and being crazy in his room. I bust into his bedroom, like, what are you doing? And he is on, I and he's on Xbox Live with his friend in Germany. Um, his community, was a kid in Germany his age playing video games with them. That they have a larger and a more global connected community than than we can ever imagine, and it's playing out right in politics. And you're right, our, this generation. I mean, let's. There's no bigger irony, right? Let, let's talk about the irony of this movement, this conservative movement. They are defunding public libraries in Texas, where a judge voted that books need to go back in the library. The Texas legislature, I believe, is trying to get rid of the actual library where those books are going. Do you know what? What, what is this like? All the world's fucking information, <laughs> like like almost all the information ever found in the world is on this device in my goddamn pocket. And they're trying to fight kids from seeing books, right? And the, it, the stupidity of it is almost mind-boggling, right? So all they're doing is creating ammunition for their opponents. Now, going to that ammunition for opponents, something I talked about in last week's show is, you get it, is, look, Alvin Bragg, filed 34 felony charges. I'm not a lawyer. I'm just hearing 34 felony charges going, shit. <laughs> right? And the pundits are all out saying, oh, well, you know, the, you got, I'm sure you, you, you wrote a piece about it. Oh, it's not a big deal. You know, oh, it is a big deal. It depends on whose side you fall on. Even our own side, the, our, our progressive friends are saying, oh, this is weak. But I'm saying the average American just hears 34 felony charges. <laughs> right? And, and more to come. I mean, do you think... Um, do you think there's, there's I mean, I really loved your that. piece where you laid, you actually wrote out your, you did a, the, the opening <laughs> argument on your left. Do you think he's, he's genuinely in trouble here, right? And there's more to come in your opinion, right? I, I, I totally believe so because, um, first of all, um, thank you for referring to the opening argument. That was one of my favorite. I love things. that piece. That was one of my favorites. I could <laughs> rechannel actually being in the courtroom and you know, there's, so much, there's so much drama in a courtroom. Yeah. And, um, I, I just just for one second, I'll say, uh, you know, it, it would be so much fun to argue that case because essentially it's right there. 
got himself elected by hiding the truth from the American people. That's not the crime. The crime is in the false entries, but that doesn't matter. Juries will understand why this case really matters because everything that followed with Trump was because he did that. Right. Um, you know, right when he was the most vulnerable with the. Um, uh, Grabbed by uh, that. Grabbed by the P. Yeah, yeah, the Access Hollywood tape. Yep. Right. So uh, it's, you know, people can understand you hide the truth, you get elected, you do all this damage. They can understand why this case is important. And I also just want to say quickly, um, uh, jumping on that point I made earlier about Alvin Bragg, you know, he knows he can win this case. Right. His standard in bringing this case is not. Do I have evidence of guilt beyond a reasonable doubt? It's way beyond that because this is Donald Trump. Right. And um, it's not only that he declined the other cases not ready. It's also this, Fred. What really fuels most people we already talked about? Anger. Personal interest. Yep. Personal interest. Yeah. Alvin Bragg just got himself elected. He runs again in 2024. If he doesn't get a conviction, he's a one-term district attorney in New York, in Manhattan, and he knows that. Yeah. And he is not about to take the smallest risk. You can have complete confidence that he has complete confidence in the strength of his case yeah. because He's got a real serious personal stake. What was your question? I got distracted. No, you just nailed it. That's <laughs> no, we're good. Thanks. Uh, you know, my uh, Katie Fang was on uh, the night before the indictment. Katie Fang was on MSNBC. I'm a huge Katie fan. I guess that she was on the show. Katie described the situation that Donald Trump's facing as essentially a three-stage rocket, which she likes to use. Right? Stage one gets you off the ground. You know, we're 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 in we're in flight, if you will. That's Alvin Bragg. Right? Stage two is a little bit more powerful. It's got to get you out of orbit. Right? And that's going to be. Letitia James, or excuse me, Letitia, uh, Fonnie, uh, Fonnie Willis down in, in, in Fulton yep. County. And then, of course, stage three up gets you to orbit. That's going to be Jack Smith, right? It, it, yeah. it, I, I kind of love that. And I love that picture. Yeah. And it makes sense. Yeah. Do you yeah. see stage two kicking in soon? I mean, we're off the ground. <laughs> Where do you see stage two right now? We don't know. Um, yeah. those, two, uh, those two boosters, those two rocket boosters are interchangeable. Right. Okay. Because uh, number two may be. Jack Smith, Mar-a-Lago. It's even moving fast, doesn't it? I mean, we're, we're seeing a uh, lot of movement. I mean, this guy is moving at warp speed. Yeah. It was such a tragedy for America that uh, Merrick Garland uh, decided to go broad rather than go deep. What I mean by that is usually prosecutors in big cases have to make a choice. Merrick Garland decided it was better for America if he prosecuted every single one of the insurrectionists participated that he could find. Right. And don't minimize the importance of that. Yeah. One reason we haven't seen demonstrations, I believe, about Trump's indictment is that people are going to prison for a long time. Uh, this uh, retired fire person just got four years in yep. prison. Yep. That's participating and using a fire extinguisher on cops. Yep. That's serious. We have all these four um, years. Uh, we have two or three now uh, cases of convictions of Proud Boys. Not Proud Boys, I'm sorry. Of Oath Keepers. Oath Proud Boys are about to come. Yep. Uh, so those are deterrents. That's what prosecution does. Right. But 
What do you guys think? Question mark. Harlan <clears throat> chose to go wide rather than deep. I said the insurrectionists were um the insurrectionist was trying to beat a cop to death with a fire extinguisher and God, so you fucked up the meaning. You fucked up my thing, message. Trying to beat a cop to death with a fire extinguisher. And here's Trump getting hoisted on his own petard, Fred. <laughs> when Trump announces that he's going to run for president as a political narrative shield. Right. Hey, they're just going after me because I'm running for president. Right. What did that get him? Jack Smith. And uh, Jack Smith is... I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a prosecutor going after everything and winning. Yeah. Winning. Winning. I'm not getting tired of it. Fred. I'm not getting tired of it. But, but, but that case is close to ready. He's got the lawyers. He's had the lawyers yep. in front. And it's easy to confuse what's going on because he had uh, Stephen Miller. He had yep. Stephen Miller testify. But that's not likely about Mar-a-Lago. No. The Mar-a-Lago case is tight and powerfully strong. Right. That is a case that is going to get a conviction, I'm sure. I believe they're going to bring that case in D.C., not Florida. They better. Yeah. Um, uh, and there's every reason, uh, I wrote a piece with Larry Tribe about that, to do that, uh, to bring it in D.C. But it, it's not clear that Jack, that that case is going to come after Fannie Willis. People are saying who are in the know that Fannie Willis's case will not come until May. That has to do with intricacies of the Speedy Trial Act, the way it operates uniquely in Georgia. It starts yeah. all over, and she's on a clock, and she's waiting for the next clock to start running. That's what people in the know say. Uh, so, um, you know, I think that you can expect that case to come in May. That's the case about interference with Georgia's election right. and about false electors, it's tied to Trump's attempt to overturn the 2020 election. And that's a very important case, just like Alvin Bragg's, just like Jack Smith's. Wow, that's a lot of legal problems. And 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 one of the things we talk about a lot is that... Um, hold on, what's this guy's name? Um, indict Trump in May, according to Georgia's specifications for a speedy trial. face and win
and ready What about the Marlardo kiss? Oh. He should be disqualified immediately. I think that would that would hurt him more than anything. I think, <clears throat> and then he would have to take all his crimes seriously. Right. What do you know? Okie doke, yeah, I should just share that. And I use, um, I have, a, I won't mention who they are, but I have family members who are in their 80s, actually, and they're lifelong Republicans. And, and But they're, quote, they're, they're normie Republicans. They liked Trump for a while. But one of the things we did with the Lincoln Project, and I've mentioned it last week on the show, is we targeted the, you know, we targeted 3 to 4% of people who voted for Trump Republicans, the normie Republicans. Courts back the blue. Like you, um, and peeled them off. And that's in the end, that's why you lost that margin, the general election, that margin. I don't see them coming back when you hear 34 felony charges, uh, the Mar-a-Lago stealing of documents, because the facts are brutal. And, and, you, and you said it, you, you circled back what you said a little while ago, right? 25% national approval. Object. His, his polls object. are plummeting, right? Yeah, and, and uh, Fred, um, all the hand ringers, right, saying 